Blog Talk Radio. The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist. Delve into life, death, and everything betwixt, between, and beyond. Between and beyond. Between and beyond. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination is a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heidi Lovett. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for listening in this evening to the Amethyst Historical. My name is Hi C. I will be your host for this evening. And first thing I will do is remind you that if you would like to get into the queue for a reading a little later in the show, you can do that by connecting in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510, and that will get you into the queue in order to receive a reading a little bit later. I'm very much looking forward to my conversation with artist and deck designer Cynthia Fisher. I think that you will be inspired by hearing her talk about the the decks and things that she creates. She is so prolific that there is no way not to be motivated and inspired by her to go out and do something because you think if somebody can do that much, surely I can go out and do one thing. Um, Of course, we do come to the show this evening under some rather somber conditions, emotional conditions, based on the events in Orlando the past couple of days. And we do want to honor the memories of the victims there, as well as the family, loved ones, friends, partners, etc., who are also all affected by the, the, the deaths of those victims and those who have been injured and are still recovering, and hopefully all of them will be able to recover um, with the doctors and nurses and everything doing quite um, amazing work to uh, treat those people and and hopefully bring them around to the other side. Um, So I'm going to pause for a moment, if you will, with me for a moment of silence in remembrance of the people who were killed and also to send energy and thought to those who have survived as well as to family and loved ones as they continue to deal with the aftermath of this on many, many levels for probably a long time. And I did want to uh, just turn to my, you know, normal tool of choice, the tarot, and just pull a card and ask, how is it that we can best respond to or just in our way deal with um, what has happened? And the card that came up, I used the deck called the Tarot of the Spirit. um, And the card that came up is called the One of Wind. And the name on that card is Dawn, D-A-W-N. And I thought that in some ways that's 
extremely perfect because it reminds us that a new day will dawn, that we will continue to process and deal with this, but if we put one foot in front of the other, we will move into a new dawn of a new day every morning and that we can continue and hopefully we can also approach the dawn of a new day represents unlimited potential for what we're going to make of that day and hopefully we can use what has happened to step into the dawn of a new day by embracing and recognizing we can make it whatever we want to so can we learn the lessons from what has happened can we step away from the rhetoric and the anger uh, and all of the emotions and reactions that we're having immediately afterward so that we can start to envision a new day and a new way of doing things rather than giving lip service to that in the heat of the moment just after and then allowing that to fade away. Um, the Ace of Wind here really says it's time for a new way of thinking. It's time for a new plan. And hopefully we can actually execute that and put that into action um, in our own way and in our own communities and then on a larger scale in our society as we move forward rather than this just being yet another in a series of mass shootings where we say a lot of things, nothing gets done, the next one comes along and it just starts to become the new routine rather than the catalyst or the impetus for change. So let us just hold on to that reminder and that sense of hope that the dawn of a new day brings and that there is still possibility for us to work towards and create a new society, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things, rather than just shrugging our shoulders and saying, that's just the way it is, or giving in to fear and anger and simply looking for demons and boogeymen to blame and to constantly be in war with. So with that, I think we will move to more pleasant topics um, and I think that my conversation with Cynthia Fisher coming up is going to be the perfect antidote for that because even in the midst of such tragedies we want to continue to create create that new day, create that new possibility, create that new way of thinking create that new society so with that let us move into our conversation with artist and designer Cynthia Fisher Cynthia Fisher was introduced to Tarot at a young age and immediately became intrigued. She has devoted the past six years to the intense study of Tarot in order to become an intuitive Tarot reader. She says that for her, the cards are a powerful tool that have the ability to connect people to their higher mind, allowing it a voice. 
in her experience, regardless of the question posed or the situation, it seems the card needed to gain the deepest clarity is always chosen. Cynthia is a certified life coach who devotes her spare time to leading a weekly tarot group. Her goal in regards to tarot readings is to provide a positive, insightful, and meaningful experience for every client. Cynthia is passionate about reading and creating tarot. Her creations include such Lenormand and Oracle card decks as the White Star Tarot, the Dark Matter Tarot, and the Ether Tarot, My Dream Lenormand Deck, the Tea Time Lenormand Deck, the Wonder, Stardust, Lovely Luna, and Red Leaf, the Pixel, and Cyber Lenormand Decks, and Luna's Oracle. Cynthia is also the proud creator of Nexus Oraculum, the first in Alexandria's Wheel Divination series, which will be available soon. Be sure to follow Cynthia's Facebook groups, the Cardamancy Club, and Alexandria's Wheel Oracle Card Group for exciting updates. You can find more information about Cynthia and her work at her online shop, twokoimoon.etsy.com, which is T-W-O-K-O-I-M-O-O-N dot E-T-S-Y dot com. So please join me in welcoming to the Amethyst Oracle, artist and designer, Cynthia Fisher. Welcome, Cynthia Fisher. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Amethyst Oracle this evening. It is a pleasure to welcome you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. So maybe we could start off by having you just give us a little bit of a background as to how you found art or perhaps how art found you (laughs) and uh, what mediums and things that you work in. Well, I've always been an artist, I think. Uh, It started with crayons. (laughs) Um, I've always drawn or painted, and then when the computer digital age came around, um, I certainly took that up as well. I'm always creating, even when I'm not working on a big project, I'm always doodling something or planning another project. I'm, I mainly, well, I don't know, it's about 50-50. I, I uh, do acrylic, I do sketching, uh, pen and ink, and the rest of the time... It's digital art on a computer usually. And what are the type of projects you refer to that you find that your muse calls you to? Lately, it's been uh, divination decks, Um, Lanermond decks, tarot decks, oracle decks. I haven't really done too much else besides that recently, (laughs) probably for the last year or so. And do you have a history of working with divination or oracle types of decks and tools and that sort of thing? I do. I uh, was sort of introduced to it when I was younger. But where I'm from, um, they're not big on those sort of things. So I didn't have um, anyone to really teach me. I just sort of fumbled around. And then when I got a little older... Uh, I got a little more serious about it. In the last probably five or six years, I've really dived in and um, tried to learn as much as I can about um, tarot, which is really my first love, and Lanermond. 
and uh, Oracle decks, of course. What was the first deck or divination type of project that you did? The first deck that I created um, was probably a just a majors-only tarot deck. I just started working on that, and uh, it took a long time to finish the first, even just the majors. <laughs> um, I really wanted to put a lot into it without being a Rider weight clone. So I uh, worked on that for a long time, and then Lane Mond came into my life, and I created a few hand-drawn decks. Uh, which have not seen the light of day, really. <laughs> uh, probably Lanermond. And I have probably seven or eight done, and equally as many are in some stage of being completed. And from there, having watched your postings about projects and things over time, it seems that you have been, uh, or that you have opened a floodgate to creating many types of decks and things. I have a very busy mind, <laughs> and there's something going on in there. So if I give up projects, it's much happier. My life runs much more smoothly. So if I'm not creating something, a deck or art in some way, I'm usually thinking about it. Do you find that the creativity just kind of bubbles up that the inspiration just seems to come to you or is there something that seems to trigger or be a catalyst for an idea for a deck well sometimes I dream about decks or dream about some style of art that I want to try and when I wake up grab my sketchbook and make a few sketches and notes and then when I have more time I sit down and and um work on color palettes and um, any kind of design ideas that I have for a deck, and it all sort of falls together. So. And what do you do when you hit those moments where you have a creative block or you feel like you're kind of in a creative slump in order to get the juices flowing again and get to creating again? Oh, if I'm having a slump, I just mm-hmm. try to get out of the house, go for a hike, read a book, play with a dog, <laughs> do something else completely different. And uh, then I'll just see something and I'll go, hey, wait, that might just work. So sometimes you just need to kind of zen out a little bit and get a new perspective. What would you say are your primary inspirations then? My primary inspirations? Everything. Uh, <laughs> um, different time periods, different art styles. Uh, nature, anything can be a trigger, really. Were there any particular artists or art styles that have influenced you or perhaps continue to influence you and kind of are your muse or or what gives your style um, uh, a platform that it kind of leaps off from? Wow, so many artists. I am inspired by them all. (laughs) I, uh, I love Van Gogh, uh, Monet, uh, Dolly. I'm big on surreal art. I uh, when I make my own art, I like to sort of keep in mind that 
I want to see something that hasn't been seen or done before. And that's kind of big for me. So would you primarily classify your art style as surrealist if somebody was asking for a label? A lot of it is, yes. A lot of it is surrealist. Um, Like I said, I really, I like to create something that someone hasn't seen before. So then how does surrealism translate over into things like tarot decks and oracle decks and Lenormand decks and that kind of thing? That's a good question. Uh, (laughs) For me, I think it just um, comes across as interpreting the message differently. Uh, Like for example, in tarot, it's usually the strength card is usually a woman taming a lion or a man taming a lion. And um, in my first tarot deck, I had a woman sitting with a dragon behind her. So she's an authority. The dragon is her inner power. That's the way I see it. And do you think doing decks and things in this kind of a style makes it easier or harder for someone using one of your decks to do readings with, or maybe it's just different? Uh, well, it might <laughs> it might be harder. Um, I think you have to have a, a good background on the meanings of the cards, at least basic meanings. Um, to really really connect with my decks, maybe, at least the tarot decks. And is there any difference or much of a difference between creating a tarot deck versus a Lenormand deck versus an oracle deck? There is. Um, tarot decks have, <laughs> well, they have 78 very different cards. I mean, they all portray a very different message. Um, with the Lenormand, it's a much smaller deck. Um and they, the cards, there are a set of 36 symbols, basically. It's not so much how they're drawn as including a particular symbol for a particular card. And with Oracle decks, um, I really have seen them more as an emotional idea rather than, you know, a symbol or traditional tarot. And do you find that your style or approach to the artwork changes based on the type of deck? Or is it more applying your style to whatever type of deck that you're creating? I don't think it it, uh, changes according to the type of deck, just from deck to deck. I usually usually start any deck out with a particular style I want to go with or a color palette. and then I, I move from there and try to stay with that. And that's usually why <laughs> when I start creating a deck, I really, I just push hard and get it done. And then I can go back and make small adjustments. But I, I don't, my art is so fluid that the style changes if I give myself too much time. And so if I want it to be a really consistent <laughs> uh, deck and it looks, the same from one card to another. I need to put the time in and get it done. Your art style is very different from many of the more traditional types of decks that you might see in the in the marketplace. Um, what kind of response have you gotten from people who have seen and used your decks? 
I think I've gotten a pretty positive response. Um, I've found that people that are very uh, very new readers of Lanermond and Tarot, they're, they're sometimes looking for more traditional imagery. And um, although I try to, well, in Lanermond, I try to really stick to the 36 traditional symbols. Uh, you really can't change that up. <laughs> but, um, you know, everything else is a little more flexible, especially in tarot. I think if you if you get the same emotional response to the card as you would in a traditional tarot card, I think you can work with that. But, you know, I have to say, I think it's good to shake people up a little bit and get them to see and experience a deck or to try doing a reading that's a little outside of their normal comfort zone or the, the type of imagery or artwork that they might be used to looking at. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think really um, there are a lot of people that are very traditionalist in the way they view divination, and I am not really one of those people. I think <laughs> once you learn the basic meanings, that the rest comes really from your intuition. So I don't always do a particular spread like the Celtic cross or uh, a three-card spread. Sometimes you just lay the cards out and they tell you their story, and that's 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 how I like to read, and that's how, you know, when I create my decks, I think that they work in a very fluid way like that, too. And have you met any resistance from traditionalists that your decks are wrong in some way because they veer away from traditional type of imagery and style? Uh, not, well, a little bit with the Lanermond decks because the Lanermond is usually a 36-card deck, and I... <clears throat> have made them more of a um, Lanermond oracle, and I have added additional cards to the deck that I think it needs. And um, some people have, very traditional people, have uh, not appreciated that, and that's okay. I just tell them, just it, it has the original 36, just use those and, and don't use the additional cards. And that seems to fix it. <laughs> Have you found that there's anything in particular that seems to be a trigger or a catalyst uh, or an inspiration for suddenly wanting to create a new deck? Uh, sometimes I'll just be creating a landscape piece or something simple or just playing with colors, abstract, and suddenly I'll think, hmm, what if I just added this element and then what if I just added this other element <laughs> Before you know it, I have a whole background and um, framing, and and I start working with some fonts, and it just kind of takes on its its own life from there. So when you started creating decks, and even now, as you create more decks, um, did you start doing that? Do you do that in any sort of a way that's a reaction against what you see on the market, and that you don't feel? any of the decks that are out there really represent what resonates for you from an artistic um an artistic perspective? No. I uh I just do what I like. I uh like something that's a little different. Um usually when you're learning 
tarot, I think you should start with a very traditional deck because that gives you a very solid foundation. And then you can move on to more artistic decks. And I think it's the same way with uh, the Lenormand. As far as, well, with Lenormand, as long as you have a particular symbol for the card, it's fine. And if you don't clutter it up too much. But uh, tarot is just so open to interpretation that it's almost impossible to just do it exactly the way that everyone else has done it. Well, for me, anyway. And uh, are are any of your decks published through a publisher, or have you just self-published all of the decks that you've created so far? Uh, Right now, they're all self-published. I... um, I'm working on the Alexandria's Wheel Oracle deck, and I was considering maybe doing that as a Kickstarter, but haven't really decided just yet. I'm just getting started with it. So. Do you have any advice that you might offer someone who is thinking about creating a deck and self-publishing it, or whether to pursue a publisher uh, and how to make that decision? I would say just do it. Uh, <laughs> I understand being a little nervous about getting your art out there, but I really think that you just have to do it. I mean, life's short, right? You'll get to that, say, you've given yourself a time frame of six months to get it done, and then six months later you've, you know, procrastinated, or what if it's not good enough, or this or that, the whole time. Well, the six months will come and go anyway. Might as well do it and put it out there. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is the only people that buy it are your friends and your <laughs> your mom. But <laughs> just just do it. You know, life's short. There's going to be somebody out there that has the same crazy ideas and tastes and and uh, wants and needs that you do, and they'll see your art and go, "Wow, that's exactly what I was looking for," even though I didn't know I was looking for it. So my, yeah, my advice would be just do it. No matter what happens, it's win-win. If they don't sell, make another one. Eventually something will catch someone's eye and that'll be it for you. You'll sell your first deck and it'll be wonderful. You'll feel great (laughs) and it will make you want to make more. So besides the decks and things that you create, can you tell us a little more about the other art that you do and the kind of works that you uh, tend to create and bring out into the world? I, uh, well, <laughs> I I draw a lot. Um, I do probably have a hundred pieces of doodly um, Sharpie art. I like to paint with acrylics. Um, I do some mixed media work. Um, like I said, I'm always going. My mind is very busy, <laughs> and if I and if I keep creating, then it's it's just good for me. So if I'm you know painting a painting or I'm painting a chair or <laughs> you know painting something for my daughter or anything just my mind just has to do something and so I do it I've had uh, some of my art in the Alameda County Fair some of my surreal art and um, 
That's a good feeling too. That's been mostly digital, although I am considering um, doing some acrylic art and tossing it in there, see how things go. <laughs> Which actually I think is just really good advice. It's the idea of just keep doing it. You don't have to create a masterpiece every time. You don't have to write the next great novel every time you sit down to write. It's just about keep that skill well-oiled, keep doing it, and things will emerge and things will come out of it, like you say, by just doing it and just keep doing it. And I, you know, I think that that's really good advice, which I think might also speak to, you know, not only your prolific nature, but also when people hit kind of that creative block um, or feel that creative slump kind of kick in, uh, I think that just doing something is probably going to be really uh, a good way to move beyond that as well. Um, do, do you have any specific suggestions for people if they are experiencing some sort of a... Um, creative block or they feel like they're not tapping into that inspiration or motivation in some way? I've never really had a problem with that, but I would suggest that if you are looking for inspiration, just start out with the masters. Uh, just get an art book or go to a museum and take your sketchbook with you everywhere you go. You never know when inspiration will strike. Um, just a small sketchbook with a pencil in your purse you know, go to the park and see what you see. Birds or flowers or trees or dogs. And someone might have beautiful hair, you know, blowing in the wind. Anything can be an inspiration. Uh, so you had mentioned uh, a few minutes ago a deck that you're working on, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, but I also, uh, but you also have another new deck. Um, that has just come out called the Nexus Oraculum, which I think sounds like a class offered at Hogwarts. Um, <laughs> can you tell us a bit about that uh, new deck? Well, uh, yes, the Nexus Oraculum <laughs> um, does sound like a Hogwarts class. That's funny. <laughs> and uh, And as soon as you open the deck and see it, you know, right away, it feels and looks very, very unique just from the shape of the cards themselves. It's a, it's a hex shape, so it's a six-sided card. And uh, it's read a little differently than um, Tarot or Lanermond. Um, it has a seeker card, which is, of course, the person the reading is for. And around the edges um, are words. The It's Attention, action, details, hidden, caution, and unknown. So as you lay your cards out um, in a clockwise manner, um, the first card that comes up is the one on the top, and that is something that you need to pay attention to. Um, and it just follows around. Each word will tell you what what the energy is with that Location. It's like um, in a Lanermond or a tarot reading when you uh, uh, the layout has a certain meaning for the card that you put there. You know, it's uh, this is in the near future or this is um, a position that's 
the energy or the past or, you know. Um, with this particular deck, it's just you don't have to wonder what that spot might mean. So I'm wondering if maybe you can do a, a sample reading so we can kind of hear how the deck works in action. Uh, do you have a question or just see what comes up? I say, why don't we just see what comes up? And based on the belief we always espouse okay. here, anybody hearing this reading, it's going to be what they need to hear at this moment. So we will just leave it up to the cards to tell us what they have to tell us. And that is what any of us will be needing to receive as a message at this time. Odd shape uh, <laughs> makes shuffling a little harder to get used to, but you can work it out. So, okay. Um, the first round of this is always six cards. You can extend it out uh, for additional information if you think that's necessary. So. Okay, the first card that came up in the attention spot is uh, dream. That is about having dreams, um, what your dreams are. They might be, you need to pay attention to them. Uh, they might be bringing you a message. Which fits perfectly with the fact that we just went into Neptune retrograde on Monday for the next few months as an overall theme, because Neptune certainly is very much the planet about dreams and those kind of things being enhanced uh, during this time. In the action spot uh, is the card called A Way Out. And just with those two cards, I would say that the person getting the reading is, well, they have well dreams of escape or dreams of changing their life somehow. Um, details, Sanctuary card came up. So if you read it around, um, it would seem this person is just looking for a better place. They have a dream. They have a higher desire for their life. Uh, what's hidden is grief. Uh, well, the person is looking for a way out, so they're clearly trying to get away from something. So the, the positions are based on the center card. So, for example, like the action position is one of the sides of that hexagram of the center card, and then all of the cards are laid around it, and it's those words on the side that determine what the position is that each of those cards are speaking to. Yes? Uh, the action position is um, on the side of the card. So there are six words that go around the circle, and action is in the second position. Uh, caution is the card that came up in that spot is analysis. And for me, that usually means um, that you need to think about it or you're really overthinking it. Uh, the way the rest of the cards have come up, I think that you would just need to sit down and really think about what you want. And just so I'm understanding clearly about how to work with this deck, the, the reading itself is 
following that center card around in a circle with the cards that have been laid out in each side of the hexagram, and that really determines the direction and the flow of the reading and, and where the reading takes us by following that circle around that center card point. Would that be an accurate way to kind of uh, summarize that? Yes, it is uh, all about the way the cards or the, the words are on the card. Um, if you wanted to do something and you didn't want those words to be in the limelight or directing the, the reading, uh, you could always lay the cards over that and, and just see what comes up. Uh, for the last card is the unknown and uh, the message card came up. So if I were doing this for someone, this reading for someone, um, I would say that they just, they need to really decide what they want in their life and uh, realize that the way they're living their life right now is, is causing them some, some grief and they can't hide that. Eventually it comes to the surface as it always will with people. Um, if it's not consciously, it comes up subconsciously or it comes up uh, in a physical way. Um, you might be ill or you feel depressed or some other some other thing will occur with you that <laughs> is your you know your higher mind saying hey <laughs> we're not happy here something's not working out the way it should so I would say this person needs to just decide what they really want in their life and and uh, find a way to get there um, if I were doing this reading for someone um, I might you know do another layer of cards because you can always just keep making the circle bigger and bigger and um, getting more detail that way so I think this, that this particular reading is um, follow your dreams I mean <laughs> they're saying before you know life is shorter than you imagine and might as well enjoy it as much as you can which I think is also a very apropos message for all of us to be hearing, especially in light of the events and everything that have occurred this past weekend. And, you know, it causes you to stop and ponder about how quickly life can end, and therefore we need to focus on making the most of it um, rather than thinking there's always time to put things off until um, with the events this weekend to really be a stark reminder of that. So thank you for doing that sample reading. Um, and then there's a new deck uh, that you are getting ready to bring out. Um, but not only is it a new deck, it's also a, a new divination system that you have devised as part of the creation of that deck. And I'm curious about what it was that inspired you or what the catalyst was for you to not just create another deck, but to then think about and come up with a, a whole new approach and a whole new divination system along with that deck? Well, uh, it's funny that you asked that. <laughs> I, I was really looking for a way to, of course, you know, uh, stand out from the crowd a little bit, but I also wanted something that uh, people could read for themselves that, that wouldn't be quite so esoteric. Um, they want a tarot reading, go to a good reader or a Lanermond, 
but this is a also a system that can be used just by an individual. Um, it doesn't have any. It's, the cards aren't numbered. Um, they don't have any elemental or astrological association. They're very straightforward, and uh, I mean, you would have to have some intuition <laughs> to to read them for other people. I think, um, and I think everyone does, but they don't always know how to connect with it. But if you're reading it for yourself, as the cards come up around the circle, you'll know exactly what they mean. There, I mean, there's no question. Um, just for an example, some of the cards are protection, uh, risk, uh, healing, cycles. Um, and then there's also a man, woman, and child card, so... And does this new divination system have a name? It does. Uh, the system will be called the Alexandria's Wheel um, because it is, you read it around a circle um, and it looks like a wheel when you lay it out. <laughs> the Alexandria part is for my daughter because um, I love her and, <laughs> and it works for me. And does this uh, divination system that you're developing, does it um, kind of take off of another existing system, or is it something completely new that you've come up with uh, in some way? It doesn't, it, it's, it's not really read like any other system. Um, I was just thinking of, you know, a new deck or something else that would be attention-getting or um, it would be new and different. And I thought, huh, well, is that the shape of the cards? And I, some people make decks that are small, square cards and um, round decks, but I really have not had a lot of luck with those. <laughs> I thought, well, what else is available or what other options are there? And uh, I was looking around and I saw this hex deck a six-sided deck, and uh, I thought, hmm, what could I do with that? So I, you know, sketched the shape and and um, started wondering what would be a, how can I incorporate this into a divination system? And it just sort of came about. <laughs> and how would you explain, what would you say that this divination system might be best suited for, for self-development, for predicting the future? Um, and also, uh, can you explain a little bit of how it works? Um, is it designed to work to use for yourself? Can it be used just as effectively for doing readings for other people? I think this divination system uh, is better as a sort of current energy reading than um, what about the future. I mean, I have done some, well, not really, well, future readings, I guess, but not too far ahead, you know, what, what, where are things are going to be in the next month, you know, um, how are things going to go with this person, should I do this and that, and it, it's worked very well. Uh, I've tested it a lot with my tarot group, and uh It seems to work out, and 
uh, I think it could also be very introspective. You can read for yourself, and and the layout really starts with the original six cards, but you can just keep laying them out <laughs> um, around the wheel until you're satisfied with your answer, so or you run out of cards. It has worked well for me doing readings for myself and for other people. So sometimes I think people have a perception that going to a reading is about being talked to or talked at by the reader. And I'm curious if you have found whether the the deck and the approach, the, the system that you're coming up with seems to encourage more interactivity uh, in a reading in terms of the, the reader and the person being read for uh, being more in dialogue with each other? Um, or do you find that this system perhaps works best for simply passing on information and a message uh, to other people? Uh, I think it's a conversation starter just because it's different. I mean, sometimes I'm sure that other tarot readers can <laughs> attest to this, that you get someone that comes in, they're either nervous about the imagery or the reputation tarot has, so they sit very quietly, wide-eyed, and they don't talk to you. And although you can do your interpretation, do your reading, that's great, but it's nice to have a little input um, from your client or the person that you're reading for. It, it's a conversation. It, I, I find that it works better that way. Does this system serve itself well to questions relating to future or outcome or prediction kind of questions? Sure. I'm sure it could be used uh, for questions about the future. You would just have to, you know, frame your question that way. Well, and is there any sort of actual timing system that you have developed or built into it in a particular way? There, there's a time card um, that I usually see as something that needs to be taken care of in a short period of time rather than, you know, something that can be worked on into the future. Um, I, <laughs> I did create a timing card and it's just, it's similar to the secret card with the words around the edge, but I haven't really tried to work that into a reading yet. Um, I'm not sure if it's, it will be included in any future decks or, um, or it'll just sort of go away. <laughs> I'm still working on some of it. Um, you know, it's a new system and there are going to be things to be worked out, so... We shall see. Similar to what we've seen done in a lot of other different kinds of tarot decks and oracle decks and things, is there any sort of correlation or anything that you've worked up or built into this uh, system that you're developing and the cards that that uh, relates them to, say, astrology or numerology or Kabbalah or something like that? I haven't yet. Um... I don't know that I will with this particular deck because I want it to be simple. Um, you don't need too much information to be able to read. You can just sit down and um, lay out the cards and very basic. I said there's no numbering system, um, no elemental association, no astrology. I'm, I might you know, create decks along those lines later 
in the same style, card style, but I haven't um, haven't done it yet. Which probably means that this will be a really uh, useful or a really good kind of introductory deck and system that somebody could pick up and use, uh, especially if they don't have any familiarity or knowledge around some of those other aspects of things, or if they feel daunted or intimidated by trying to uh, learn something like Tarot or Lenormand or that kind of thing, because your cards are a little more straightforward. Your system sounds like it's not as complex as can sometimes be the perception around some of these other systems. So it it seems as if this is going to be a really, really good uh, starter or, or introductory kind of deck and system into the world of divination and oracles uh, for people that are at that very beginner uh, level or, or inexperienced or unexposed level to this kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's why, why part of the reason I created it was that um, as I as I created it, I thought, oh, this would be great for someone that's, that, that wants to start reading cards, but they're intimidated by tarot. Right, exactly. Um, Later Mond, I mean, there's a lot more on it now, but when I first started reading it and creating decks, there wasn't as much. And it can be fairly complicated. I mean, tarot spreads each each spot has a meaning and with the Lanermond, um, they try to sort of toss you in to the Grand Tableau, which is <laughs> can be very complicated, so a lot of information. Uh, this, I think this would be a good starter because it would give you an idea of um, laying out cards in a certain position to have a certain meaning. And um, it would be similar to Tarot. Um, and I guess in a way similar to Lanermond because each card is affected by the card near it. You can read it as a story or as a, just a set. Um, but it's just one word. It's not, like I said, there's not a lot of other things that um, are associated with it right now. So I believe that the Nexus Oraculum, which we talked about initially, the hexagram deck, uh, is already available for people to purchase. Uh, and I'm also curious if you have an idea when the Alexandria's Wheel Oracle is going to be published and available for people to get their hands on and start working with. The Nexus Oraculum is available right now. Um, it's in my Etsy shop, which is twokoimoon.etsy.com. It's T-W-O-K-O-I-M-O-O-N dot e t s y dot com and alexandria's wheel or yeah alexandria's wheel probably um i'd say probably a month out and i believe you also have a facebook page or a facebook group for Alexandria's Wheel and also maybe for Nexus Oraculum that people can look up and join or like in order to stay updated on the news and the publishing dates for that so that they can get that as soon as it's off of the presses, correct? Yes, uh, I do have um, an Alexandria's Wheel page on Facebook 
and um, it's got the Nexus Oraculum on it, and I'll be giving updates on the Alexandria's Wheel Oracle deck. And could you share with people listening what kind of uh, readings and services that you offer, and uh, also if you you know do art commissions and that kind of thing, and how they can find you and how they can contact you if they were interested for uh, more information about that or to perhaps set up a session of some sort with you. Yes, I um, I do tarot, Lenormand, and now Alexandria's Wheel <laughs> uh, readings. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Cynthia Fisher or Alexandria's Wheel. I also have a, a group that is um, the Cartomancy Club, and um, I can be reached at uh, two coin moon at gmail. If you have any questions, I also have an Art Wanted um, page <laughs> where it shows a lot of my digital art. And that is gone digital. If you just go directly to artwanted.com. Excellent, excellent. Thank you. Well, Cynthia Fisher, artist and deck creator extraordinaire, thank you so much for joining me here on the Amethyst Oracle today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored and very appreciative. And I'm very excited and looking forward to getting a chance to get my hands on and experience the Alexandria's Wheel when it is released, uh, which is, as you say, hopefully not too far in the near future. Me too. (laughs) It's been really wonderful being here, and I want to thank you again. Well, it has been my pleasure, and so thank you to you as well. Thank you so much. And stay tuned because coming up next is going to be your chance to receive a reading live on the air. You can either connect in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510 and that will get you into the queue in order to get a reading. So we will be right back on the Amethyst Oracle with myself, Heisey.
Amethyst, the Amethyst Oracle. Oracle. Divination with a Divination queer twist. With a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please join us next time for Convergence with John Carousella, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Thank you.